okay, come on, say it with me. People don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. Well, we're going to let you in on a little secret. Not much changes when you're talking about multinational companies. Hello, everyone. It's Matthew DeMello, your host of The Fiona Show, Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. And today, that's what we'll be discussing, transfer pricing planning and how you can do it better and how we can help. We don't have to tell you that tax administrations all over the globe are upping their games, making a hobby out of reviewing transfer pricing documentation under microscopes. And with transfer pricing becoming more of a vulnerability for so many multinational companies, you'll want, or need really, but want to take the bull by the horns and create a no-surprises approach to your strategic transfer pricing planning. Right, and while you're tackling the impossible, would you mind reconciling quantum mechanics with relativity to thanks? Seriously, though, planning your transfer pricing initiatives doesn't have to be as hard as quantum physics. In fact, Cross-Border Solutions is rolling out an easy, almost effortless way to tackle transfer pricing planning. More good news. Today, Cross-Border Solutions chief economist and head of the whole transfer pricing division, Mimi Song, and founding member and chief VP of sales, Christy McDonald, are here to tell you all about it. Oh, and let's not forget about Michael Wallach, our witty and charming director of sales. He's going to spearhead the whole conversation. No pressure, Michael, but before we begin, let's take a look at transfer pricing in the news. Say, remember how in last week's episode of our long-form podcast, The Fiona Show, we covered how much of a pain in the Australian outback the Australian Taxation Office can be? Well, case in point, mining group BHP just settled their long-standing feud with the ATO over, you guessed it, transfer pricing. The final price tag? $390 million in additional taxes for years 2003 to 2018, all stemming from trade of the group's raw material supply through their Singapore subsidiary, which at least on paper is supposed to specialize in marketing services. Now, this is a popular transfer pricing maneuver and one the ATO does not appreciate. In the case of BHP, shipping iron ore through the subsidiary in the 15-year period let them take full advantage of certain benefits laid out in the UK's longstanding trade agreement with every multinational's favorite Asian Pacific city-state. Those advantages matter to the ATO, who gets left out in the process. And because it means they have an opening in court to argue they're missing out on taxable revenue, we all know if there's any tax authority that won't stand for missing what they see coming to them, it's the ATO. Even if they have to procure an adjustment without soliciting a plea of wrongdoing, as they did in this case with BHP, oh, trust us, they will get what they see coming to them. The bigger picture here is that the ATO is cracking down on marketing hubs and no one can afford to look as blatant about it as BHP looks here. You mean you have to, have to, have to ship raw iron through a marketing hub? Yeah, just like you should fill your tires with helium to get your car to fly, I guess, right? That's how it works. In speaking of classic Fiona Show episodes, the day has arrived and that day is the day that the Ninth Circuit Court declined to revisit its ruling against Intel subsidiary Altera, aka last Monday. Like BHP Earlier in our rundown, Altera dragged out their precedent-setting, to say the least, barroom brawl with the IRS as long as they could, asking the Ninth Circuit Court to hear the case again after a three-judge panel ruled in June that the feds had a point in saying Altera should have paid $80 million more million than they did in the years 2004 to 2007. This case and its now standing ruling is sending huge ripples through the tech industry as it kicks many companies right in the delicates, which is to say their long-standing APAs dealing in cost pools and stock compensation. In essence, the fight boils down to the company's 2004 stock compensation program that included options for employees who performed research and development activities, all of which was in line with Altera's 1990 
1997 APA with the IRS, requiring their U.S. entity and their Cayman subsidiary to pool resources and share the burden of R&D costs. A few years later, Congress passed the Administrative Procedure Act in its infamous Section 482. This requires companies to include employee stock compensation in the cost pool under cost-sharing agreements to better assess whether companies meet the arm's-length standard. But when Altera rolled out their compensation package in 2004, they, like a lot of tech companies have in the time since, thought that they didn't have to abide by the new law and could just stick to their 1997 APA. Altera's legal team then spent the last four years arguing that they did not need to abide by the now 16-year-old law that is until last week when the tax justice gods in the courts ultimately decided, oh yeah, they did. And now tax departments across the tech industry are probably up all night wondering if they're next. We are very sorry, but if you're looking for a sleep aid, you're going to have to find a transfer pricing podcast without this much sparkling personality. Turning to our ongoing coverage of global digital service tax drama, last week the drama hit new peaks. Usually we use this segment to tell you a bunch of those countries over there just got tired of waiting for the OECD's multilateral solution and unilaterally passed their own digital services tax. Looking at you, UK and France. But last week the snail's pace of the multilateral solution came to a substantially even more grinding halt when the seventh largest economy on planet Earth decided to slam on the brakes for a vehicle barely moving in the first place. Because India, ladies and gentlemen, would like you to know they are seriously not feeling the OECD's multilateral solution. And on the surface, they have a point. Under the current OECD formulation, India would only receive a comparatively thin slice of a company's, quote, residual profit that is apportioned among the countries where it has access to markets. In other words, Facebook losing access to one billion people in the Indian market would be devastating to their bottom line, obviously. But they would probably never notice how much less in digital service taxes they are paying in the process of losing that access should the OECD's multilateral solution pass. That imbalance has developing countries up in arms in the G24 group quickly lined up behind India, not just for casting this first stone, but also for their very equitable counter offer. Instead of leaning so hard on the routine versus residual profit measures, India proposes focusing on revenue to determine the size of businesses in accordance with thresholds, much in the way the unilateral digital tax laws operate for those super cool rebels who have made their impatience well known. The difference is doing so apportions income to each jurisdiction in line with operations inside those jurisdictions across the supply chain. It's sweet, it's simple, and it sounds great for developing countries, hence the applause. But to the OECD, India might protest too much as, under their proposal, certain tech companies relying heavily on IT and other support services, a gigantic industry in India, in case you're not catching our drift, might end up paying far less in taxes to their home countries. Has India overplayed its hand? Will more countries get sick and tired of waiting for the OECD to decide on a global approach to the digital services tax? Will Batman and Robin escape the Riddler and deliver Gotham City from such a dastardly diabolical plot? You'll just have to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Spotify to find out. A global pandemic, a grim economic forecast, feeling the squeeze, an R&D tax credit can help lower your burn. If you qualify, the IRS and some state governments will give you a tax credit equal to 10% of your company's spend on development activities. You can even take the credit against payroll taxes if you're in the red. All you have to do is claim it. 
So what's stopping you? If an expensive application process is turning you off, sorry, now you really have no excuse. Cross-Border Solutions AI-driven R&D tax credit software eliminates the need for pricey consultants and allows you to apply for R&D credits all over the world for one low fee. After all, why should you have to spend your whole R&D tax credit on getting your R&D tax credit? It's your money. Keep more of it with Cross Border Solutions, the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. Request a demo today. Visit xbs.ai/rd. That's xbs.ai/rd. Okay, so why is it that no matter who you are, individuals or corporations, tax bills always seem to catch us off guard? Well, what if there was an easy way to ensure that they didn't? Easy as, say, striking a few keys on your keyboard. Would you be interested, or should we say who wouldn't be interested? On that note, I'm handing over the mic to Michael Wallach, who, along with the Cross Border Solutions crew, is going to shed light on how you can make transfer pricing planning easier. Mr. Michael Wallach. Matt, thank you so much. Christy. We have grown at over 200% over the last two years. For a mature company, that's extraordinary. Uh, it, it's got to be tough. Tell us what it's like managing a company running at that speed. Um, I, I think some of the challenges that we face when we have this level of expansion are making sure that processes and changes are put into place effectively, making sure that all the team mem team members can keep up with those changes, um, and for me personally, just being able to still be accessible to the team when they need me. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a fast moving environment right now. So you know, Christy, you're on calls all day long with the team. Uh, you spend a lot of time talking with tax executives. What are their top three priorities today when it comes to transfer pricing? Well, I was at the, the Marcus Evans event over the weekend, which is a tax and technology conference in Dallas, and I think a lot of the messaging that we heard um, mimics what we've heard across you know the thousands of conversations that we had. How do we automate this? How do we localize our documentation? How do we do so in a way where leadership is, is comfortable with the change? Um, and it also helps us look at our budget in a way where we can maximize you know the value in changing providers. Um, one of the things that came off of these meetings was you know tax is really becoming more of a strategy discussion. Um, that incorporates looking at things through a holistic lens, not just from compliance, but understanding um, how you can gain a benefit from, from appropriate tax planning. Sorry to just jump in, but this is Mimi, and I thought I'd put my two cents in here because essentially when you talk to tax professionals, one of the first things I ask them, uh, you know, professional, professional is, Hey, did you ever expect transfer pricing and tax to be this exciting? Like we we never expected it. I mean, most people who en ended up going into the tax world really were people who liked um, consistency. People who didn't really want to see too much change. You know, what are the two definite things in life? People say death and taxes, and so we would have never expected it. I think everyone is uh, surprised by what's been happening and and also, you know, it's it's intriguing to see what's happening on a global basis. You know, Mimi, go girl. I tell you, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> it's been really difficult for people to focus on planning in the past. Um, now we have some technology that really automates much of that. We can run, you know, thousands of permutations of tested parties, comparables, PLIs. 
Why has it been so specifically, why has it been so difficult in the past for people to focus on that higher value activity of planning? Well, I mean, Mike, it's exactly what you just said. There's like millions of different combinations and permutations of data that could be considered when you're doing transfer pricing planning, right? I mean, what do you what is it that you're trying to achieve and why do you need to do planning? Well, there's different types of planning that a multinational or a tax professional needs to consider. And there's the idea of the strategic planning, which it's not just about the numbers, but you know, on an overall organizational basis from a business perspective, what makes sense? And then from there, you fill in all the components with the data and you look through the data, you calculate the numbers, you have to collect the data, which is a challenge in and of itself. And then you have to crunch all these numbers, calculate all these ranges and then figure out, okay, where do I need to fall out at the end of the day? And if you miss something in an Excel spreadsheet, like a plus or a minus, well, you're kind of (laughs) screwed. I also think that a lot of tax teams are just playing catch up. They don't have a lot of team to a lot of time, excuse me, to invest into some of the more value add activities. And if you can imagine that transfer pricing is something that's normally pushed down to the bottom of the list with so many other important initiatives, where does planning fall within that? So I think those are some of the, the areas that has caused it to be difficult. That's a good point, Christy. And I just want to interrupt very quickly for our first CPE code word. And that word is responsibilities, as in more responsibilities, smaller staff and smaller budgets are just some of the concerns we hear from clients regarding the transfer pricing landscape and transfer pricing planning. Back to you guys. You know, Mimi, let me just follow up with a question. Uh, When I talk to tax managers across the world, uh, you know, it seems like failing to plan, the the biggest implication there is the opportunity cost of leaving money on the table. Um, What are some of the other implications when you fail to plan? Well, along those lines, I actually, uh, there's a quote on someone's wall here in our office that says, you have to pay your taxes, but you don't have to leave a tip. And I actually think that quote is amazing. Uh, And it it goes to your point um, about an opportunity cost, Mike. And, you know, there's there's an opportunity cost. There's an actual tangible cost to not planning, but there's also an intangible cost um, to not planning appropriately. And, and part of that is just about, you know, being able to help the business structure its operations in a way that is that makes sense, right? Giving your people the right belts and suspenders or to be able to operate within their framework very effectively to maximize their contribution to the organization at the end of the day. I also think that when you fail to plan, there's always a, an imminent surprise looming, right? Because you can end up with a very large tax bill that you weren't expecting because you didn't take the time to to look at things beforehand. That's a good point. I also think that you have to be proactive because look at U.S. tax reform. Look how that has changed the environment. You really have to look at the new environment and do new planning. Well, everyone's doing calculations and modeling associated with U.S. tax reform in light of guilty, fitty, the beat, you know, tax provisions, all of those things are are having a significant impact to how people are are thinking about, um, you know, their their tax positions on a global basis. That's a good point, too, Mimi. You know, I've seen us make heroes of tax managers 
in a lot of different organizations when they can go to the CFO and say, look, not only can I reduce our costs, reduce our risk, I can transform this compliance activity from a cost center to a profit center through real planning. And that notion is so powerful, Mike. I mean, it's, it's amazing because any tax professional will tell you, everybody within the organization, the CFO thinks of you as a cost center, so you have to control your costs, right? right. Well, that, that, that would be uh, another way of putting it. Most of the ways that I hear it, it's a nuisance. You know? <laughs> and now you're, you're really adding value to the bottom line and to the, the stakeholders and the shareholders of the company. Hi, I'm Matthew DeMello, and you may know me as the host of the Fiona Show Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. And while I love to discuss transfer pricing, this podcast isn't the only place you can hear me doing it. Cross-Border Solutions recently relaunched Transfer Pricing University, a live webinar series where you can learn about modern-day transfer pricing, everything from methodologies to comparables to preparing documentation to meet country-specific regulations. Good stuff, I know. Chief Economist Mimi Song leads the sessions. I just ask the occasional obvious question. Since our program is NASBA certified, you can earn one CPE credit for joining each session. Pretty sweet. So what are you waiting for? Join us for Transfer Pricing University every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Classes are free, so now you really have no reason to miss it. Sign up at xbs.ai tpu. talk a little bit about the process. What's it like when somebody uh, engages with one of our economists who can support them uh, with our planning tool? I mean, we do all the work, but could you walk through how what that looks like? Our planning tool, it's a pretty cool software program. And, and with our Fiona AI technology, it's got a lot of bells and whistles, meaning Fiona calculates hundreds of ranges at any given time based on the local regulatory environment on the fly. And then on top of that, you have a souped up calculator that makes sure your calculations are, are correct, you know, taking into account the different ca- tax rates in every jurisdiction, the transaction amounts based on your company's fact pattern. So, you know, when we're running these planning scenarios, we're really thinking about them um, in the context of, you know, uh, the business and, and how it's set up, You first and foremost. One of the things I like to think about is before you even do strategic planning, you get your house in order, right? And then part of that is first understanding what you do today, what what are the company's facts and circumstances as they exist today, and then how can we tweak it or move certain levers to maximize profitability in certain jurisdictions within the confines of the regulatory environment. I mean, everything that we're doing from a planning perspective, keep in mind, this is all based on the rules as they exist today, and it's just a tweak. It's not an aggressive tax planning strategy. And I just want to cut in quickly to ask Fiona. Fiona, what types of information does the software request? Simple stuff. Things like your primary entity, trading partners, and of course, information about the transaction. For example, You'll have to enter the transaction type and financial details like net sales, cost of goods sold, gross profit, operating expenses, and operating profit. Then the software calculates the optimal tested party operating margin. 
Thank you, Fiona. And now back to you guys. I think what I like most about the platform is the way that you can change around the scenario. You can look at how aggressive you might want to be. You can take into account if there's been a past audit um, and the level of documentation that you've had in the past because you know, that also plays into this. So when, when you run these different permutations and you take these different components into account, you can either target a specific amount that you're looking to save um, or see within the different changes you make on how aggressive you want to be what the results come out to be. So there's a lot of um, flexibility in trying to get to the best results. And to interrupt one more time very quickly to ask Fiona, Fiona, what is the software asking when it asks about the level of tax aggressiveness? It's asking about how much money you're trying to save and how much risk are you comfortable with in trying to save it. It's quite clever really. It takes that into account and comes up with a recommendation on how to adjust your transfer prices and how much you'll save by doing so. In short, it lets you know how to maximize transfer pricing to lessen tax burdens. Thanks, Fiona. And now back to you guys. Well, actually, the way that I would think about it, and then this is when I put my sort of um, in-house hat on, I almost look at our module and our tool as as an opportunity to identify opportunities, right? right. Mm -hmm. So it's a while it can't give you all the answers and and the limitation of Fiona I like to joke is that unfortunately after you get your results Fiona won't socialize it with all your stakeholders <laughs> and and manage your internal change management process but at the time it helps you identify opportunities and then that's where you can pick and choose which opportunities you can actually execute on and I just want to interrupt very quickly with our second CPE code word, and that code word is optimal, as in with information such as primary entity trading partners and information about the transaction. Our planning software solution calculates the optimal tested party operating margin. Again, that's optimal. And back to you guys. What I think is fascinating is how you can actually change the level of risk that you want to take. You know, how far do you want to push the envelope within the range, still being compliant? Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, Mimi, and how that works in the tool that our economists use to support our customers with planning? Yeah, no, sure. It, it, there's, there's the, there are these really cool risk tolerance levers. Um, some of it is, are you, is your company willing to be a little bit more aggressive? So then it pushes the envelope one way. What's the level of documentation do you have in existence? Because, you know, good documentation usually allows you to be a little more aggressive. And then in addition to that, you, it, it takes into account your audit history. So to the extent that your company has been audited in the past in certain jurisdictions, you need to indicate that because if that's the case, you don't want to be aggressive in that particular country. Mm -hmm. So when you look at all those different components, then we do a calculation based on those particular levers in order to sort of figure out how to optimize your profit without rocking the boat too much, I should say. Right? Mimi, when you hear a tax manager say, we just don't have time to plan, is this really a game changer? Well. I don't know if we hear tax managers say that we don't have time to plan these days. I think a lot of times you end up hearing um, tax managers saying, well, we may not have an opportunity or need to plan because we're in NOL positions all over the world. So is there really an opportunity? Because once people realize the value of, of planning, you make time for it. This actually becomes a much more important exercise 
over compliance in some ways just because it's an opportunity to bring value back to the organization. One of the things I wanted to bring up, and Christy, you were there at the roundtable down at the Marcus Evans event where we were talking about planning and we were talking to tax managers and, and, and CTOs from multinational corporations. And basically, everyone is doing a lot of planning these days and they're doing a lot of modeling and planning is not really an afterthought. Everyone is paying attention to this and, and, and they realize the opportunities, right? It's That's not right. an afterthought anymore. I, I think that tax departments are starting to look and see in what areas can they potentially create more budget and and not only that when when you think about a tax director or VP of tax taking the time to go through a planning scenario and then bringing that to the CFO to say look I found a way to to bring us X amount of additional budget we didn't anticipate I mean that's a lot of internal value that you're creating for your organization as well to kind of think outside of the box excuse me in a different way Mimi when this was designed who were you envisioning as the user? Is this a transfer pricing executive, a CFO, a tax manager? Well, I, I think when we were thinking about planning and, and who who would be the end user, we were starting with a tax director, tax manager level, CTO level. But at, you know, after a couple of different iterations and design sessions, we were thinking, wow, a CFO might find this really interesting as well because there's there's a significant level of opportunity. It gives them immediate visibility into their global footprint. I mean, imagine a tax director being able to get set up the scenario and going to the CFO and saying, hey, just take a look at the screen. Click. Here's a potential opportunity to save $400,000. Mimi, we've already done an initial rollout and we found great success. What's the next stage for planning and planning services? Well, I, I think we're only going to continue to make enhancements to the platform. We're going to take customer and market feedback on um, how useful it is, and we're going to continue to build out uh, the ability to look at these different scenarios. I mean, I think, Mike, you were in my office just yesterday asking me, hey, are we going to build in the guilty fitty and the beat, you know, uh, tax reform calculations into planning? And I said, absolutely. We're going to be looking at that. Guilty as charged. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and these are certainly exciting times at Cross Border Solutions. As you can see, and with this new tool, it can be an exciting time at any multinational company's tax department. It gives you a step-by-step -step roadmap to saving money. Does it get any better than that? I mean, from a tax perspective, of course. Well, now it's time for my favorite part of the show, what we want to know. We're putting a transfer pricing professional in the hot seat. Hello, Michael Wallach, for a rapid round fire of thought-provoking questions. Are you ready? I am. Excellent. Let's get started. So how do you handle your bleep hits the fan moments? What's your coping mechanism? Well, I generally go into Christie's office, who's my therapist. Yeah. Fortunately, I don't have to pay for that. It's all included in the role. You know, honestly. She, she walks me off the edge. Yeah, I think you spoke for a lot of people in this whole hallway, oh. <laughs> myself included, Thank that we you. that we all find your office to be such a, a comforting uh, and therapeutic place. Um, what are your strengths? And more importantly, what are your weaknesses? Well, weaknesses are easy, so let me start with the strengths, okay. which, are, which are perhaps more difficult. Sure. I, I think I'm able to have a, a business discussion about tax compliance, about transfer pricing, which is really going to be the driver. These uh, engagements are mm -hmm. approved by the CFO, and so you have to start at that level. Um, also being able to explain 
elements that are relatively complex and esoteric with with some ease because most people don't know a lot about transfer pricing but they have to get it done if they're outsourcing it they really have to understand what it means and why it's important yeah for sure it can sound kind of convoluted by nature to so to be able to say the terms of of the discussion very simply is effective absolutely Um, i think mike does a phenomenal job at telling a story and helping people see how this solution can help them, not just from a business perspective, but from a personal perspective um, with, within the role that, that they sit in, in in a given organization. Because, you know, there's, there's one way to approach this conversation. There's a lot of facts in this conversation. There's a lot of uh, discussion around our solution and an organization's facts and circumstances. But Mike does a beautiful job um, mm-hmm. at really creating this narrative that carries very seamlessly from beginning to end that just captivates people, and I think that is one of his best strengths. Thank you so much, Christy. Note to multinational companies everywhere, if you think the coronavirus has affected your bottom line, take a look at how it's devastated the economies of governments around the world. And where do you think tax authorities will look to make up for all that lost revenue? That's right, your transfer pricing. You can't afford to be non-compliant, but then you probably can't afford to pay for an overpriced consultant who bills by the hour either. Oops, sorry, big four. We've got the answer. Cross-border solutions, AI-powered transfer pricing software keeps you in compliance by preparing accurate, hyper-localized reports that protect you from transfer pricing audits, penalties, and adjustments. And our technology is available for one flat fee, a fraction of what you'd pay a big-name consultant. Again, apologies, Big Four. Stay in compliance and on budget with cross-border solutions, AI-driven transfer pricing software. It's no wonder we're the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. There we go again. I'm so sorry, Big. You know what? Wait, who am I kidding? Sign up for a free demo of cross-border solutions transfer pricing technology today at xbs.ai slash tp that's xbs.ai slash tp and from there uh this is a question i'm i have a lot of interested in uh strategies for managing up well you know it's interesting uh david bukovac runs the whole organization he makes a joke that everybody works for me because i really engage every resource across the spectrum you do uh, in every department to to get these things done to help customers uh, move forward so i think the key is to uh, be organized uh, ask for help when you need it and and be clear you know why Mm -hmm. why do you need the help when you need it what do you need specifically uh, and it gets done it works very well here at cross border if your friends had to describe you in three words what would they be oh my god and that has to be pg i guess right? yeah uh, we bleeped it for for andre right. <laughs> um i would say articulate interesting and perhaps annoying <laughs> I nodded at the first two for the Funny. record for, for our listening audience. Charismatic, you are. <laughs> people define success in and different needy. people. Needy. <laughs> people define success in different ways. What's your definition, Michael? You know, it's interesting. I always feel like to be successful is to to add value, to bring value. 
um, in whatever you do. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes it's difficult to, to measure that value, be qualitative, quantitative. But if you're bringing value in what you do, I think you're successful. Thank you so much. That was fun, Mike. Thank you for being here. And thank you to Christy and Mimi for introducing us to the company's new planning tool, which is all very exciting. That's all we have for you today. But we'll be back with more transfer pricing issues and discussions next week. Don't miss it. Subscribe to The Fiona Show on iTunes or Spotify, and we'll clue you in every week. And let's not forget about our sister podcast, The Fiona Show, hot off the press, which gives you the transfer pricing news every week. This podcast was edited, engineered, and hosted by yours truly, Matthew DeMello. Our executive producer, Mary Lynn Mitchum-Strom, writes our scripts. We'll be back next week with more exciting transfer pricing topics, and you can plan on it. Thank you.